You're listening to. Whoa! Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books written by Asian and Asian Americans. Uh, my name is Marvin Yue. I'm Rira Yu. And we're your hosts. And this episode, we're going to be talking about the book club pick for the month of May, which is also Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, The Sympathizer by Viet Tan Nguyen. And to help us discuss this book, we brought in a special guest and friend, Chris Din. Uh, Hello. Thanks. Hey. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Chris is a uh, screenwriter, an actor, and my um, partner in crime for the other podcast that we do called Fresh Creatives. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, when we, uh, for some reason, we just thought of you when uh, when we chose this book. Like we had to get Chris on this pod to talk about this book. I I really appreciate you guys thinking of me. I uh, re- read this book a, a while back mm-hmm. and love it. I, I just love it so much and I, I became a huge fanboy of 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 Viet the author and um I've like read almost every interview and watched every clip I, I could of him <laughs> I like, was since. really relieved when you said that you already read this book because I was because the trouble about getting guests on this podcast is it's a commitment you have to finish the book before you uh come to the recording I'm surprised you haven't read the book yet because it's like a Pulitzer Prize winning like it was on my to be read pile <laughs> and it just stayed there for a long time because there were like other books and I'm like oh this book is very long I'll I'll wait until I finish a little bit uh yeah I like think other it was books first. definitely one of the more denser books that we've read for this book club in our young mm, less yeah. than a year life but it's definitely I felt like it was like four different stories in one Right. Yeah, like yeah. there's just so many twists and turns and thematic changes. And, um, but okay, before we get to that, let's, um, let's intro the book. Yeah. All right. The Sympathizer is a sweeping epic of love and betrayal. The narrator, a communist double agent, is a man of two minds, a half French, half Vietnamese army captain who arranges to come to America after the fall of Saigon. And while building a new life with other Vietnamese refugees in Los Angeles, is secretly reporting back to his communist superiors in Vietnam. The Sympathizer is a blistering exploration of identity and America, a gripping espionage novel, and a powerful story of love and friendship. Mm. Good, good blurb. So I guess before we start uh, getting into the plot and the narrative arc of this book, how much did you guys know about the Vietnam War before reading this book? Um, I'll start as a as a Chinese Taiwanese person. Um, I mean, that's right, because all of us are different Asian-Americans yeah. at this table. Mm. Recently, I've actually seen multiple works of this new kind of refugee fiction that's been growing the last few years. Uh, I watched um, Queen Nguyen's Viet Gone, which is a play um, that went off-Broadway uh, in New York and is um, coming down to San Diego and San Francisco, I think, soon. And also, we just read um, an advanced copy of, well, it's out now, but it's out now. The Best We Can Do by, by Tibui, who we also interviewed on this podcast. So... You know, there's that kind of like this new generation of fiction coming from the refugee experience. Um, but also growing up in San Gabriel, um, most of my friends in high school were Vietnamese, you know, either Vietnamese Chinese, um, ethnic Chinese or Vietnamese, 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 um, whose parents were refugees. Um, I think people our age typically were born here, at least my, my peers. 
but their older siblings were part of like were also refugees as well and so i've always been aware of this story and you know i've, I've had that in the back of my mind but you know hmm. not personal experience hmm. i have so i'm i'm i am vietnamese american vietnamese chinese both of my parents are half chinese half vietnamese um so i got a lot of a, a lot of these stories growing up my dad's also very um i think there are two different when it comes to talking about the past i think two different types of asian Amer asian parents and those who like share freely and then the, i feel like i have a lot of friends who have parents who would rather not kind of mm -hmm. share those stories they don't want to relive it my dad happened to be like a share and over <laughs> an overshare he uh he's been telling us stories since we my brother and i since we were you know tiny kids and um and so i was very familiar and also my dad is like has always encouraged me to you know don't 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 accept what they say what you hear about it in school you know uh, read on your own it's not as black and white as as they portray it and so it was i mean i i just i actually read this book in before it won the pulitzer on mm -hmm. my way to vietnam um wow. to wow. to visit family yeah <laughs> so it was it took on a whole new like uh, uh, uh it it just the experience of when i was reading it and the Every, it was just so impactful to me and so i was like very aware my, my parents are both ref, you know refugees and they came after the war and so i'm, I'm like very very f familiar i guess i guess out of the three of us i am probably the least familiar <laughs> with uh with the history of the vietnam war um my u.s history professor not professor i guess u.s history teacher back in high school was a vietnam vet so I got a lot of the American perspective. Mm. And I also got the Korean perspective because South Koreans also fought in the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like I think the Vietnam, a Vietnamese refugee experience was like, I've kind of um, gotten familiar with it as I got older because I've been reading more, um, more, more lit literary fiction, going mm. to see more plays. But um, honestly, I didn't know much about how how like Vietnamese Vietnamese American refugees um, built a community here in Southern California. I like don't really know much about how they've carved out their identity here um, because I think most Vietnamese literature has been so focused on the war or like told from the communist side or well, told literature from about the Vietnam yeah, War. Uh, literature right. about the Vietnam War and also like with the refugee stories it's always the aftermath of the war so i always thought that this so i thought that this book was really interesting because it goes from the war to the refugee experience and then like kind of like go goes back mm -hmm. to yeah. vietnam so like it, it's really it's a really weird narrative arc well there's this trope that is um, I was, I was, we were talking about this at our book club meeting earlier how you know, there's this these new stories, especially from the refugee perspective, is adding new tropes to the Asian American like canon, right? So in the past, Asian American stories have mostly been about like generational differences, you know, um, the immigrant experience from like the the um, I want to say East Asian perspective, where we're coming here for work or education, and it's more like a 
a gap between like overachieving mm. parents and mm. like kids who grew up here with American values. I, I'm like these new experiences are adding to that. Like now you have like the experience of like people who lost their country, people who never stopped fighting the war, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's really cool to see these stories start to come out because it's really is that uh, we've we've had like Chris said, like more and more people are now entering that sharing phase where they want to talk to mm-hmm. talk about their experiences yeah like at book club we were talking about uh how there's this pattern in historical fiction and also uh <laughs> just in I-, I guess like war stories like during the war any work that comes out that's about it it's very spontaneous it's very patriotic yeah it's about the and then, heroism and- of like yeah, so it's like good guy. So it's like patriotism, and then you get to like the horrors of war, the atrocities, the atrocities of war, and then you get to the refugee experience. And um, there's always like this buffer time of forty years for the refugee stories to come out because it's just like it's usually the second generation that covers it. Yeah, and yeah, the author is also, um, I mean, not necessarily second generation, but he was very young when he fled because it took till like like the 90s for like was children's list like the first like holocaust movie a movie about the holocaust i don't know or if was it was the first before? one but it i mean for then it was just like anne frank like that was what everyone read was like the anne frank diary that, i mean yeah that's what it, it that's what it feels like but i i have a feeling there there must have been I'm uh, sure there yeah. were others coming, especially out of, out of Europe. That, but it doesn't come into prominence until like yeah. decades later. I mean, and by prominence, we mean Hollywood doesn't take notice or like green light up. Oh, white movie. people don't take notice. Yeah. Until. <laughs> <laughs> um, which interestingly is, is a, a, a big theme and a big part of this, this book. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I guess, um, I it's guess- interesting to see like, you mentioned that most of like the discussion on this about this book from from other outlets or other other book clubs have been a lot about how this is a side of the war that people didn't realize had stories like not didn't realize have stories but didn't realize had these stories come out of it. Yeah, a lot of uh, Americans uh, when I a lot of like white Americans when they hear about the Vietnam War they think of like PTSD and like the vets who come back from the war traumatized yeah. but they don't really um remember the people who fled that country and had to like carve out their own identity here yeah. and that there's a generational trauma it's not cuz like at least with american vets <laughs> they come back home and their family isn't is generally not affected by it um but but I feel like with refugees who fled to America, there is a generational trauma. And uh, we've noticed it in T. Bui's uh, mm-hmm. graphic memoir. And um, I think we see it a lot in this book as well. It, it could be one side. It's just I, the, the, the whole thing about this this book and... Uh, the, the, the two identities, the split identities, the two sides, uh, it's just so, so powerful to me. Cause, you know, you can describe, I haven't read Tibui's book yet, <laughs> but, um, you know, you could describe it as trauma. I was reading somewhere that, you know, the two types of people that come out from, uh, from after a war are the, the, the survivors. They have two mentalities. It's either, you know, oh my gosh, uh, we got to keep our, our heads low and just survive after this or the ones who come out of it feeling like 
dude, we, we made it out of that war alive. We made it. We're alive. Like, let's live life to the fullest. I think those are the two. And depending on where you sit on that spectrum, that's the stuff that you pass down to your, to the next generation, you yeah. know? Um, so that I, uh, kind it's kind of related to that. You know, is it, is it generational trauma or, you know, uh, it, you, you could, Definitely, there is a lot of trauma, of course, and then there, you know, I think there's there's it, others other sides. Yeah, to it as and well. I guess it also comes to like where were you pre pre refugee, right? Mm-hmm. Were you always because there's some people who have always been survival mode. Like, um, I know, you know, I mean, like, don't talk to my grandparents, right? There, when they were growing up in China, China was at war with even if not with the warlords, with the Japanese, and not with the Japanese, and with each other for mm-hmm. like centuries before then so like they grew up in you know mm-hmm. a war zone and so when they you know immigrated to taiwan they were still kind of in survival mode for the most part mm-hmm. it's funny each we're all from different um we from different backgrounds you know we've got taiwan korea vietnam but it seems like the, there was some it's whether you know the chinese <laughs> Uh, flee to Taiwan yeah. or, or Korea got split in half or Vietnam completely got taken over. There's like a, a, yeah, we all dealt, we all dealt with it. Our, our, you know, and we all had to deal with kind of being the, alpha, the yeah, fallout yeah, from it, the fallout from it. And like being the proxies of this, like, and that was a big thing too with, with this book, like the Occident and the Orient, mm-hmm. the communist and the capitalist, like the, you know, the, the two sides of ideologies that, Originally from the Western world, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, that we were forced to... Forced upon them, like, yeah. There was this really great quote, and they're like, they called the Cold War, but the war was never called for, for mm-hmm. Vietnam. Right. It was like that was a, good a war war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess um we can get into, I, I, I guess, like the protagonist, the nameless protagonist, because we never yeah. get his name in, in this book. We get a lot of names. Like the, um what was it, the, the you get... You never get the major's name, the one that gets assassinated. You never get the lieutenants or the mm-hmm. captain. Like they're just dis- described, effectless, crapulent. Yeah, like the protagonist, he introduces himself as a man of two faces because he is half uh, French, half yeah. Vietnamese, and a man of two minds because he is a, a double agent. So I just wanted to get a feel of how you guys felt about the character. Yeah, so the character is a... Asian for the Communist Party or the Communist regime, um, embedded into the secret police of the um, the South, the South, um, which is the I guess the nationalist or the capitalist regime, like the, just the, the South, the South Vietnamese Army, the the South Vietnamese, the 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 American side, yeah, yeah, um, and because you could make an argument that both sides were nationalists. That's true. Yeah, they both wanted. Um, I think I thought it was interesting that the fact that the author made him biracial mm-hmm. because it like it opens up the um I guess the narrative opportunity to have both sides be totally racist against him, yeah. which is interesting to see. Like part of the theme was like, yeah, like both sides, East and West, U- U.S. and Vietnam, North and South Vietnam, everyone was kind of shitty to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, right? yeah, and I thought it was really effective to to. Uh, bring in a whole new maybe uh it, it, it makes him it makes him easier to relate to outside of being vietnamese because you know i think a lot of uh a lot of immigrant kids and immigrants themselves 
do feel to, to they do There's feel two faced. Yeah, they don't belong anywhere. Right, right. right. There's always a double identity to to uh, to to them, and but to make him actually have a a French father, right? Mm-hmm. He was a French father and yeah. a Vietnamese mother. Um, I think accents that even more. I, and I a French so like priest father too. At yeah. yeah, I thought it was interesting because uh, I almost felt like the protagonist was like an embodiment of Vietnamese history. Like by making him biracial, it's also making a comment commentary on on like French colonialism in um, yeah. in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. That's something that um, before reading um, the best we could do, I totally forgot that there was a whole. Like war against the French for independence right before the yeah. the Vietnam War, like mm-hmm. the war against the the communists and the like that war. There's yeah. like yeah, the Indochina War was something that happened. It 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 was all it, you know. It's it's interesting because you know depending on which side you're looking at it from, uh, you know uh, definitely from the other side, it has always been a, a war for independence. Yeah, it's a, a one continuous war for independence just against many different foes. Um, but yeah, the, the French having the biggest impact um, on them for sure. Yeah. I mean, this book, um, the format of it is quite interesting because it's written as if it's a confession. Yeah. And um, that took a while for me to like mm-hmm. get like get the rhythm down. Like, yeah, yeah. Because there's like the format's a little weird because there's no quotations. Yeah. Like it's all like in one giant paragraph almost. But um, I thought it was interesting because it gave uh the author a chance to explain american culture to mm. vietnamese people like yeah usually when vietnam like usually asian american literature um sometimes it leans more towards like uh explaining the asian culture to americans it's mm. kind of like writing to the more dominant audience yeah whereas like with this book it's just like americans are weird yeah. like <laughs> this may seem weird to you mm-hmm it's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. a lot of a lot of white hippie girls in college. They they like do yoga and, and yeah. like it's like explaining all these. Let me like, explain you free love. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love. It took me a while to catch on as well, yeah. but um, it's it, uh, uh, but man, the payoff for that was was yeah was pretty pretty great. But yeah, even like so, in the last few chapters, it actually became kind of meta, right? Because the confession that the first three or seven pages becomes an actual object within the story mm. and um i mean the, those last few chapters were really pretty rough mm. like, they're talking yeah. about like well we'll talk about like the the reveal. last part at like at the end of this episode because <laughs> i right. feel like there's a lot to be said before then it's true let's not jump ahead yeah yeah so but like i oh go ahead i was gonna say, i'll save it for later but you know uh the the guy to living safely in a science fictional universe. oh yeah that was yeah. one of our picks yeah. <laughs> it's like in a way yeah similar right yeah, yeah but anyways we'll talk about it later actually when i found when i turned the page and i found that it was meta i was like no <laughs> oh really you was not a fan i'm, I'm, I'm not a fan mind. of meta i'm not but i i appreciate the fact that it was you're also not well. a fan of streamer consciousness right i'm not <laughs> so like i am not maybe that's why I, I don't i don't mind it yeah i thought it was yeah anyways Anyways, uh, I, I like the use of the confession here because yeah. it's like such a dude. It's like I heard about it all the time growing mm-hmm. up. The re-education camps, you know, like just thinking about what happens to the people who were left behind. You know, yeah. Um, there, there was a, a whole other saga that the Vietnamese people had to go through after yeah. the American chapter closed. 
and it was it was fucking rough dude like you know like what they had to go through imagine like you know we're here everything seems fine and then suddenly um i don't know isis um invades california and Mm -hmm. takes over and replaces the government and what happens to all of us like it's a whole whole new thing i mean if you if we want to draw parallels imagine like the um have you watched the handmaid's tale like imagine like this like uh, white nationalist movement takes over America. Like what happens to us? Right, 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 right. Yeah, right, right. yeah. you know. And um, we we here we, we think we're winning, right? We yeah. think that oh, you know, like we, we're there's no way that they would take over. Next thing you know, they control everything, and what yeah. happens to everyone? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. That reminds me of that one quote within the book about how like you know we don't need the French or the Americans. Like we can fuck ourselves just as well as they can. That I, yeah. I, I, I yeah, I have a, a, a thing of highlights, and that was one the one yeah. of the things I, I that's highlighted for me. And that was just like so like just heartbreaking, mm. but like so true. Like you know we don't like, need other people to uh, like exploit us. We'll exploit like, ourselves yeah, like, if we have the power. People are power exploit. Um. Anyways, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you guys want to talk about uh, how, like, our protagonist fled from Saigon and into America? Because that was like a whole arc in in this book, right? So, I mean, the, the first arc, the first arc, the book is broken up into like a bunch of different arcs, right? So, the first arc is about the fall of Saigon, about the escape, which is like um, in itself like a harrowing story that could be its own like movie or something. Just like how. Like how the civilian, or not even the civilian in this case, but how people, what happens when you lose a war and like the enemy is encroaching, they're already like shelling the airport. And like, I thought it was really, really, it was tense. I felt it was so tense. Like the way it opens on that day where it's like the, the, it's done. Like the, 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 whatever, the Northern front is broken. And yeah, they broke, they broke through. Yeah. It's about like him bribing people to like dude you know so tense like we have no idea what our you know we all have family members who've gone through some version of that and i just and this was like this was these were like the important people these are people that the cia was evacuating it's not even mentioning like the boat people and people who like escaped Mm -hmm. through like other means you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. like these were like the fortunate ones who got planes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i thought it was i thought it was interesting that like uh we get to see uh like the general and like the lieutenant, like what they were before they came to America mm. and then how like they ended up being like gas station attendants mm. and yeah. like minimal wage workers. And it's just like, oh, like some people have embraced it mm-hmm. and other people like the general, they're, uh, they're kind of stuck in their past. Well, a lot of the primary, a lot yeah. of the primary characters from the V, the, from the South Vietnamese side were soldiers and officers, right? Mm-hmm. And those are the people who for them, they kept, to them, the war wasn't over, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It was just a delay. And this, this is something that happened in Taiwan, too. Mm-hmm. You know, in Taiwan, after the communists uh, pretty much exiled the nationalist government to Taiwan, like, Taiwan was under martial law for until, like, the late 80s mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it was always, like, we were going to go back and, like, mm-hmm. take back our country. Yeah. And eventually, like, you had to give that up, right? <gasps> but for the longest time, like, Brutal. it was under martial law under uh, uh, effectively uh, a dictators not dictate uh, effectively like authoritarian government Mm -hmm. because it was still technically at war Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and i thought that was yeah like for the general like and for even a lot of the the refugees right like and i guess we can get into this too like 
the fact that they lost their country and had to come to America and be these menial workers when they were intelligence officers, captains, like they were used to command platoons and squads, like it emasculated them. Right. And that mm-hmm. was a huge part of the story where like, you know, they didn't feel like they deserved to work these menial jobs. So their wives went on to work and became more. Yeah. Like the women competent. really stepped up. Like, yeah. 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 Uh, and that whole thing, again, kind of playing into that theme of like, uh, split identities, yeah. two mm-hmm. sides, you know, uh, 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 a war hero and then now a gas station clerk. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it, it repeats. I mean, it's obviously found in every I- immigrant kind of refugee story. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that our protagonist, he had an American college education <laughs> and then he joined the Communist Party, like as, as a spy. Uh-huh. And well, he now was, he, oh, he was already a spy. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was already yeah. a spy, mm-hmm. but he comes back to America and even though he is familiar with the culture mm-hmm. and like speaks the language like fluently, mm-hmm. he still has this readjustment period. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, here's the thing though, like back in like where he must have been like the sixties, right? When he went to college, fifties, sixties, yeah. like the, um, the emerging of the, uh, of the, the hippies. hippie stage, colleges are actually where pretty people, liberal. They're super liberal and back then liberal meant socialist. Mm-hmm. Which meant communists. Like people thought all professors are commies. Mm. Like even even in this book, you can kind of see like the um, the people who like the professors that he knew were all kind of more socialist leaning people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it actually wasn't a surprise that he kind of maintained his communist yeah. ideals because tangent, he was tangent, in college. Though. Yeah, wasn't that white professor in the book? such the one he worked for yeah oh my like, God. The, he's uh, like look at my asian wife the head of the <laughs> oriental studies program at occidental college which oh is up right, right up here right up here street yeah right up the street yeah, the street, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I thought i thought that scene was just so funny like anytime we've all met a dude yeah like we that. all like, met out, a dude like that like check out my asian wife Totally. You know, check out, like, you, you should be more, you should, like, didn't he, like, like so, his, his secretary, Miss Mori, yeah, who is Japanese a Japanese American, American he's like, like, oh, how come, like, you have lost touch with your Nippon side? And I'm like, are you <laughs> freaking kidding me, man? Just say Japan. And, and also, like, he's like, how come you don't speak your, uh, speak your native language? And Miss Mori, uh, when she's talking to the protagonist in private, yeah. she says, I was born here. My native language is English. I don't understand why he's telling me that I'm not Asian enough. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's just stuff that we go through now. And I love that he's exploring these topics that we're all so familiar with, yeah. but, but, but he's a spy and that adds a whole nother yeah. layer to everything, you know? Um, th- which was, I just think the, the brilliant thing about this book, it's like talking about the, these, the issues that we all are so familiar with in like this completely new light yeah. and it makes it exciting and really fun. And also in the examination of like what, especially I guess, um, since he's so educated and so since he is, you know, fluent and fully aware, kind of his, um, analysis of the Western, not just like what Western people think about us, but what the, the academic, like, like the whole what was that book the like the the book that he carried around everywhere about like the oriental communism yeah, like yeah. something yeah and just how like he understands the way they see us like it's so ensconced in like this colonial imperialist like view of asia as a place to to tame to like like they need us to guide them mm-hmm. or else they'll fall to Mm-hmm. barbarism or communism or right. things like that 
And there, yeah, there was a line he had in there where the the term that the French gave to the war it was something like the war to in, to civilize or something, yeah. the, the, yeah. the civilizing war or something. Like you know they, oh my gosh, they need us to come in and civilize them, kind of a mentality, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but it's just a, his perspective of, and I, I think that's why I'm such a huge fan. Is like I feel like he, like. One of the more, one of the memorable kind of lines in there is he talks about like dating culture or like the, yeah, yeah, how, yeah. What I love is he goes, you know, the way he describes it is like, you know, in, in the East, um, it's all about courting or courtship. Yeah. And in the West, it's about dating. dating. And it's just, I just felt like it was a light bulb that yeah. went off in my head. Me kind of now being able to identify why it, you know, um, um, romance was such a rough thing for me growing up. And you know, how, like our parents don't seem to understand the dating game. It's more mm-hmm. like, instead of like, it's all like about, have you met a girl yet? Are you getting married? Yeah. Instead of like, who are you seeing? Right, you know? right, like, right. You that is, that's true. That is a big, it's courtship yeah. versus dating. And courtship yeah. kind of has this, this very, um, it's like, commitment kind of yeah uh, uh, uh thing about it it's like you already commit and you're just courting until you convince the the woman that or the, you know or the dad or the dad or the, you know yeah, like or the parents. um and dating is just trying it out until you find what fits yeah what did you guys think about uh i guess the assassinations that the protagonist had to be involved in so one of the big like kind of running themes in the book is how the because of his the protagonist's dual nature, because of his like his yeah his, because of his duality, he keeps getting put in situations that are from his point of view out of his control, right? He accidentally points the finger at the captain, the Chinese mm-hmm. captain, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's trying to draw suspicion from himself. He accidentally spurs Sonny, the reporter, to print out his like report on the you know the the, the drills, the military drills. Mm-hmm. Because he wants to prove to Miss Mori that he's a better communist than, than, um, than the reporter. And because of that, the general orders him to murder these fools, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, when, when I read those scenes, I'm just like, you're, like, why are you killing these people? There is absolutely no point. <laughs> and I guess that is a theme in this book where, like, this war is kind of like a no-win situation yeah. for anybody. Right. And it's just like, I was like, wow, what a waste of human life and in the end. Well, and- there's also a payoff for that at the end. We can get that well, t- yeah. t- twist. But yeah, like, um, and then so they want to kill the captain because they think the captain is the mole, mm-hmm. right? And the, because they point the fingers at the captain because he's getting fat. And he's like, the captain is one of those characters who seems to be um, thriving, accepting. And, yeah. Like, I guess like his wife just loves making tons of food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but to the general, Oh, he's getting fat. He must be like getting paid off or something, right? This yeah. this is paranoia of like wartime still. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is random, but did you guys find it hilarious that the captain's uh twin sons <laughs> were named like spinach and broccoli? I was trying to think of what that would be in Chinese. Yeah. I, I was just like, wait, did he actually name his kids spinach and broccoli, or is it a translation? Of like the I, yeah, name. of the Vietnamese yeah. names. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm curious, but it, it's gotta be a, a tra- it's gotta yeah. be a translation, right? Oh god, I can't think or of. Or like he the- just has a great sense of humor. Um, but 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 <laughs> Sorry, the whole spy thing, you know, I I guess I didn't think about it in terms of a waste of. I mean, it was obviously like pretty sad that he had to 
to assassinate those guys. But it was such a an exciting way of showing what we all go through on a more kind of exciting our, you know, our experiences as immigrants or, you know, children of immigrants, second generations, yeah. we, we do that struggle a lot of like, you know, going back and forth, but, yeah. you know, uh, Viet is able to kind of capture what that feels like in this spy thriller-esque, yeah. you know, um, uh, plot line. But it felt, I, I, it felt to me relatable because I feel like I do a version of that. I'm not killing anyone, but I'm going back and forth between cultures. Like you your know. duty to. Duty of, yeah, duty yeah, to. Filial piety. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. The cultural expectations yeah. on both sides, right? Yeah. And that, I, that's how I related to his struggle with like, oh God, I gotta, yeah. you know, I gotta do this thing, but I gotta act one way and then, you know, do something else. <laughs> But then um, the second assassination with the journalist, Sonny. So he's his college classmate from back when he went to college. Um, Sonny stayed in the States and like started a newspaper, Vietnamese language newspaper for the refugees when they came. Um, that one seemed more like he didn't want to. Like he was dragging it out, right? He was like giving Sonny every opportunity to clue him in to what was really going on. And then... He ended up shooting him when Sonny accused him of like trying to, because this was after Sonny had essentially stolen Miss Mori from him. Mm. Um, even though like his relationship with Miss Mori was more of a casual open relationship and they had more of a serious thing going. Um, but then he went there with, uh, with like kind of with the intention of like doing this for to maintain his cover, but then it, it felt like at the end, it was more personal. Like, he shot him out of personal reason. Because mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. was just mad at him. Well, it was also, like, Sonny being like, oh, like, I'm a better communist than you. Yeah. And he's just like, what are you talking about? I'm a double agent. <laughs> you stayed in America when there was a war going on. Mm. I actually walked the walk. Like, you just did the talk. So I think there was a little bit of, like, a pride thing going on. I think he was just... And you can feel he was getting frustrated that he was never getting acknowledged for his like work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For being a communist. Because everyone, because he, because he was double agent, everyone thought he was one thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like even the communists thought he was like a, you know, a shitty imperialist, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Poor guy couldn't win. Yeah. I guess we can move on to, uh, the second, not the second, but like the, the third arc, I guess, where he is a consultant for a Hollywood yeah. movie. Like, I thought that was so weird. I did not expect that to happen in this book. Wait, how did that start again? Um, he was recommended. It was the senator, right? Yeah, or it was a the senator. Yeah, yeah, the senator recommended him. Or mm-hmm. was the senator representative? I, I don't know. Some government person. Yeah, yeah, some the congressman. Um, someone was making a film on the Vietnam War and they wanted someone to read through it for authenticity. And then he read through it and made all these like notes yeah he took it seriously oh you actually want me to yeah like he took it seriously when the director actually just wanted like a rubber stamp mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right right um, it, then, that that was an unexpected I, I i have to admit that i um that was the part where i, I emotionally detached the most i think mm. maybe because we're all in out here in la and we're all yeah kind of in it a little I bit i was actually surprised that like i was surprised yeah too. they spent um because so like so Chris, myself, and we we all work within like the Asian American entertainment scene, and so these are all like very very familiar mm. points for us. So the fact that like he dedicated like literally like a the quarter middle, of the book, yeah, like yeah. the middle like so many chapters on like misrepresentation, yeah, and like 
Hollywood. It, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really, really funny. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Yeah. What an interesting direction yeah. to totally I thought, unexpected. I thought it was a good contrast to like how Americans perceive uh, the Vietnam War and also the Vietnamese versus yeah. how the Vietnamese view themselves. And they're two totally different images. They're kind of unrecognizable. What goes back to why this book is so important or why it's so, um, so significant because before, like, maybe not before this book, but before this, like, kind of recent wave of books, like, the perception of the Vietnam War was the war movies, was Apocalypse Now, was Platoon, Mm. Thin Red Line, Mm. Deer Hunter, like, the, about, from the perspective of American soldiers, even, like, Rambo, like, totally. It's about PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like the fact that like the Vietnamese, um, like and you, you think about it, like all the Vietnamese actors, like extras in all these movies, were probably all refugees. Like mm-hmm. they weren't actual communists; they were the people who like fought against communists, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I like the quote: uh, "They cannot represent themselves; they must be represented." It's mm. repeated constantly throughout the book, and yeah. in. Like, I just thought that it was really funny that uh, the leads in this Hollywood Vietnam War movie were <laughs> other Asians. It's like, oh. Well, they Viet- weren't even leads. They were like secondary yeah, characters. Yeah, they were secondary characters. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, like Viet- the Vietnamese can't even represent themselves. They have to be represented by other Asians. And, yeah. Like, it was like a Korean dude playing the, the, the collaborator, mm-hmm. a half Chinese, half white girl playing like the love interest, mm-hmm. um, and then a Filipino boy playing the the, the lovable, like, army mascot boy or something it's business as usual <laughs> in uh, in hollywood there's a there's a scene in uh in this hall in, in this fictionalized hollywood movie that is clearly apocalypse now yeah. um where like the female female lead fe- like a romantic interest i guess mm-hmm. like she gets uh gang raped by uh, by like communist sol- communist soldiers and it just made me, it just reminded me of how, like, in a lot of, uh, a lot of Vietnam War movies, like, the Vietnamese woman is kind of like the, the symbol of the country itself. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah. like, you are, like, it's, it's a woman who always has to, like, who, who is always, like, raped or, uh, falls in love with the, an American soldier. Mm. And that, there's, like, a tragedy to that. Cause yeah. it's like, oh, like, he's gonna leave. And mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, like, there, like they always symbolize Vietnam in cinema uh, through a woman who who is like going through a lot of suffering, mm. and I don't know. Like it, it was like it was really interesting that it was like um, yeah, or like she there, was, dies, like, there right? was there was like a payoff to to that mention later on. Yeah, yeah. It's also um, because we're looking at the story through the eyes of someone who went through the war. He was able to point out all because like. The main character, the protagonist, he was there to make sure there was authenticity. That was his main thing, was like to make this as authentic as possible. Mm-hmm. And he was able to win small victories, like getting speaking parts for the, the Asian mm. characters and things like that. But he was like also pointing out all like this discrepancies, right? How like the method actor playing the main captain character was like never took a shower and grew his hair and was super stinky when he was saying like, yeah, like American soldiers would take any chance to take a shower even mm-hmm. if it was like dirty water mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that's not true and the fact that like i think later on in the book he did mention a story a, a anecdote where like it was actually an american squad that pillaged a village and mm-hmm. raped the women mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like the fact that like 
there are other sides. Like no one is innocent in this mm-hmm. in this conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought like um, I, I guess I'm jumping ahead, but um, later on in the book, we we find out that the female uh, communist agent mm-hmm. that was working with the protagonist when she gets captured by the South Vietnamese army. Um, she's being interrogated at a movie theater yeah. and, uh, and she gets gang raped, uh, by South Vietnamese, uh, soldiers. And I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. Cause we just saw a scene where mm. like in, yeah. in the movie scene where, uh, uh, they're getting raped by, uh, South Vietnamese soldiers. So it's like a, it's kind of like a foreshadowing, yeah. but I thought, I thought it was also interesting because like that interrogation scene happened in a movie theater and it, <laughs> I mean, it was like very ironic, but but like in, in war movies, it's always like the foreign soldiers. It's always like the American soldiers doing that's true, like the pillaging and the rape, or at least from like the uh, well, depending on yeah, yeah depending. I guess it also comes down to the, just like the ideal ideological thing, right? Like it was okay for them because she was a communist agent, whereas when she wasn't a communist agent, it was like a horrible crime. Mm-hmm, right. I just I just thought like. This book did a really nice job blaming everyone. Yes. It's like, yeah. oh, it's not just the American soldiers that like pillaged and raped. It's not just the French who like colonized. Like, yeah. it, it, it's like Vietnamese people being shitty to other Vietnamese people. Right, right. And I think that comes out in the main character too, because he kind of like, he, he is there observing, assigning blame to everybody, right? Not taking, taking responsibility for his own actions, which is part of like the, the ending climax, mm, right? Mm. Uh, we can we can get, get to that when we get there. Yeah, but that that's a big thing, kind of just like no one is innocent in all of this. Like everyone has their like things you do and things you don't do all matter. Yeah, in, in these things. There was a there was a quote in uh, the Hollywood arc that I really liked. Oh, actually, no, no, scratch that. It's actually from an essay that uh, the author wrote. Um, he said, our function is to be grateful for being defended and rescued when it comes to American perception of Vietnamese American refugees. Yeah. And we, and like, you see that in American cinema, you see that in American uh, stage plays. I mean, look at Miss Saigon. And yeah. it's like they pigeonhole, uh, uh, like Vietnamese, American. As people can, couldn't take care of themselves. Yeah. Like they needed us to, if not win this war, to save them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the reason we were in this war in the first place is because, because of, of them. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, which is funny because, because he, there's a, a little bit speaking about the whole, like, function is to be grateful for being saved. It's like, uh, what a, a lot of people f- for, don't even know is that Ho Chi Minh, had asked for help in like in the you know in during uh, at the towards the end of world war ii or while they're being colonized mm-hmm. by the french just asking like you know can you can un hey can you guys do something about this <laughs> and then were ignored until it became you know convenient to help yeah. you know to to make it all about like you know fighting for good and saving the vietnamese people from communism yeah I guess jumping to the final arc of, of the book. Right. So, well, there's the third arc, which is preparing for. So the general that the main character is the aide to camp to, um, is planning a secret invasion of Vietnam, which like was always seemed like it was always going to be a failure or a suicide mission. Like there is like, um, but it was a way like I, I thought it was interesting. Like, you know, um, 
like the general only felt good about himself. Like he was able to build all these like new businesses and in like in, from all from all intents and purposes, he was like a successful immigrant. He had a liquor store. He had a mm-hmm. chain of restaurants. He was doing really well, but he only felt good when he was commanding troops again. Like because for him, all of this was a means to take back the country, like mm-hmm. to fight this war again. That like made him feel good about himself, right? So he plans that um, that secret invasion and sends like his four best men, right? To to go basically yeah. like uh, on a suicide mission. Like yeah. there was no like he knew there was no way they were going to come back alive. But their their function was to go and like lead the resistance force, right? Yeah, there was like a, a you know just supposed to be like a whole battalion of resistance forces in a refugee camp in Thailand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like run by a a former admiral. Yeah, yeah. basically the the rebels in Star Wars. Yeah. And the rebels in Star Wars. Um, and so, so we didn't talk about um, the relationship between the main character and his two best friends. Like, I, think, I thought that was, and that is like kind of the, the central relationship in this entire story, mm. right? Like, so, like, beyond all, like, the ideological difference between North and South Vietnam, East and West, like, all these, all these different, like, ways to classify or to affiliate oneself um, for the main character, his the most important bond to him was between him and his two sworn brothers, mm-hmm. right? Bond and Man. So Bond is a special forces, best like, of the best, best of the best of the South Vietnamese Army. Yeah, and the Man is basically his superior in the Communist Party. And even that, like, it's a super complicated yeah. like uh, relationship. Um, but the reason why. The main character decides to go back to Vietnam. It's because Bon, his friend, volunteers. Because for Bon, for him, there's no reason to be in America. There's nothing to live for. Yeah, his identity right. is always going to be being a soldier. Well, not even that. Like, if he had any hope, it would have been like because his like so. In the first act, like his family gets killed on yeah. the, while they escape. Like a shell rips through his wife and child yeah. right before they board the plane. Right. So for him, any like any. Any any possibility of starting a new life or starting over in the new in America is dies with his family, right? So for him, like the only thing he has left is to, and he, I think deep down he knows, like he has like this a, a death wish. Yeah, like he wants to go and just die. And his best friend, the main character, <laughs> doesn't want him to die, so he goes with them to protect him somehow. He doesn't know how, and then <laughs> and then in order to do that, he had to go and kill Sunny. So it's like this whole, just wants, very yeah, tragic, super tragic. Yeah. yeah, and like when when they go back to Vietnam, they get captured. Yeah, and you find out that the uh, commissaire was uh, man. Yeah, yeah was man. so he gets captured, and the 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 person who runs the prison camp to get sent to is their third best friend, man, who pretty much demands to be put in that position to protect his two best friends, right? Um, Twisted. Yeah. So, so that leads to the last act. The fourth act starts at the end of the confession. So the first 307 pages is basically the confession that um, the protagonist writes while in isolation during a year. I guess he was incarcerated for a year at a re- re-education camp. Mm-hmm. And so the last half, the last arc, the last like what 80 or so pages, mm-hmm. is basically his re- re-education. Right. Completion. I don't. I don't know about you guys, but like 
like we know from the very beginning, from the very first page, that this is a confession that he's writing. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of anxiety while while I was reading this book because I'm mm. like, I don't believe in anything that the main character is telling me because <laughs> it is a confession. And I'm like, oh, all confessions are filled with lies at some point. So I thought there would be like a lot of um, a lot of lies that he wrote in, in the confession or or like he like omitted some things. And it turns out that he did omit something. Well, he'll well, I think the way I read it was that he this was his chance to kind of clear his conscience. Hmm. And so he left a lot of stuff in that he probably shouldn't have, which is why the commandant who was the military leader of the prison camp was so mad at him mm-hmm. because he wasn't writing what, like he wasn't just saying what he wanted to hear, which is, I'm sorry, I'm a imperialist pig or I did all these things wrong. Um, he was like writing everything. Um, but both sides. He yeah. was, yeah. He was, I mean, the whole time I was just like, dang, this is a really long confession. <laughs> and, and he, and he seems a little bit, too self-righteous and um like it's interesting because this book is called the sympathizer and the character is is able to be empathetic to all sides Mm -hmm. but all sides are kind of you know they're disappointed like like disappointing to him i guess they all let him down and and it's also interesting because he's he's a communist communist spy and he murders people and that's not really something that you should be able to empathize with, but mm. because you're in the head of the character for right. for like 370 pages. Well, he only murders one person. He lets a lot. Oh, of, whatever. He lets a lot of other he, no, die. he lets a lot of other people die. He's a murderer. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's just like, oh, like you get you get his backstory about like his poor uh, mother who who like struggled so hard to like yeah. make sure he got an education and stuff. I'm like, okay, I guess I can be. Like, I can sympathize, but yeah. at the same time, you're a terrible human being. Well, okay, so during his re- re-education phase, which is the last, like, arc of the book, um, basically, the commandant, who is the military leader of the camp, and the commissar, who is the political leader of the camp, who is also their best friend, their third best friend, man, who, um, I guess, got disfigured by napalm during the, the fall of Saigon, so no one recognized him. Mm. Um, they want him to realize different things. Right. So the commandant, like, wants him to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite this confession because he's missing one key detail, which is what happened to the female spy that they captured. Mm-hmm. Right. And he ends up remembering that through, like, through this, the torture methods that he learned through the CIA that he then taught to man through a book. Right. And that, those were some harrowing scenes where they're kind of like, you know, he's, they spend a good portion of the book talking about how he employed these methods on other people. And now you're seeing the tables a turn and he's being like forced awake by electric shock, not being allowed to sleep. Mm. Um, but then so he ends up like basically through the commandant's, um, um, so he, so, mm, so through that he's able to, he's able to confess the crimes that like the commandant wants him to confess to, which is basically that while that female age was, was being raped, he did nothing, right? And that's kind of a theme that is throughout his confession was he did nothing while things were happening when he had the chance to do stuff. Like, he didn't stop. He didn't try to stop the captain's murder. He didn't try to stop Sonny's murder. He kind of just let things happen. And because of that, people died. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And part of that's also, like, through his actions, 
he unknowingly let people die. Like, he... I don't know if he knew or didn't know, but, like, his father was assassinated because of something he said. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, he told his best friend, man, that I wish he was dead. Right, right. And man being his best friend, well, now he's dead. Yeah, there's just so much of that turning of the tables. Yeah. And, and, And the whole doing nothing, you know, sounds very familiar, especially today. Um, and the refugee crisis that's going on today. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot, you hear a lot of like, we're, there's not enough being done, not enough being yeah. done. You know, we're not doing anything, you know, and it, uncom- it makes you uncomfortable because it, it, it shines a light on something that maybe we can all relate to in, in a way. <laughs> you know what I mean? With, yeah. with what's going on in the world right now. So the commandant wants him to confess his crimes of doing nothing, but then man wants him to realize something different. An inside joke, if yeah. you can say. Um, which is which turns out to be that in the end nothing what is it nothing matters or is it No, it was yeah. um I, I wrote it down. It like he keeps asking him during uh during the interrogation, what is more precious than independence and freedom? Yeah, because the Ho Chi Minh's uh, mantra was nothing is more important. important. Right? But like with but with that uh I guess motto, yeah. the emphasis is on independence and freedom. Yeah. But then with uh with man's like So what turns ex- out yeah Yeah, man's explanation of it is like nothing, nothing. is more important than freedom yeah. and independence. And it's and and in that moment, our protagonist, like his mind, just like goes into shambles. Like, he, yeah. like he goes from like talking in first person to third person, and then and then all of a sudden he uses the pronoun we instead yeah. of like I. And um, it's interesting because he he realizes that every single thing that he has done for the war yeah. has just amounted to nothing. Like mm. nothing mattered. Yeah, because he was like he, he he would always be able to justify that what my actions are like liberating the people, we're bringing revolution, we're like we're freeing the the peasants from the clutches of capitalism, imperialists, mm-hmm. and then it turns out yeah the communist party was just as bad as them. They could be also be bought off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Money is still just as important now as before. It's just mm-hmm. different people are in charge. I think it also brought up the point of just like how much an individual matters in a revolution Mm -hmm. in a failed revolution at that too it's just like oh like what's more important at that point yeah probably like probably a single person and i think like with man like he he seemed to like care about every single uh person in his yeah well he was he was Mm -hmm. a believer right he was the one who got the main character into the revolution he was like he can was it the commandant said he can quote he can he can quote and he can spout marx and lenin better than anyone else like he was a true believer of the um the revolution yeah and you can tell that he was like super disillusioned of what happened afterwards you know and like he was trying to like you know he he wasn't telling he wasn't telling the main character not to come because oh we need you more there he was telling not to come because you're gonna die Mm -hmm. if you come Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. you know yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think about the very end of the book? It's kind of open-ended. Cuz you don't know if he goes you don't know if the main protagonist, uh main character goes back to America. You don't know if he's still with the Communist Party. There's 
really no uh, solid answer at the end. But I kind of feel like at the end, he ends up with a clean slate, right? He finally comes out with a clean slate. He has no more obligations to mm-hmm. party or or people like, you know, the general cut ties with him because, you know, he slept with his daughter. Yeah. Um, the Communist Party thinks he's a traitor. Yeah. And doesn't want to, like, he's no longer an agent. He's broken, right? He's like, his mind is like officially messed up and scrambled. But for the first time, he is like, he is free to do whatever he wants. And I thought that was, I guess it's kind of like starting over, right? After losing your country in a war, you start over, you're not quite yourself, mm-hmm. but you have this chance to become a new person mm-hmm. or become, mm-hmm. start again. And he didn't get that when he he didn't get that when he first came to the states. It was, yeah, yeah, for for everyone else around him, it it could have been a, a fresh start, mm-hmm. you know, uh, time to to a new a new chapter yeah. or whatever it was. But he was still fighting the war. Yeah. He was still stuck, you know. Yeah. But it, in a way, it represents yeah what I guess I mean my my parents <laughs> yeah. went through. I mean, he is broken, but he is free now. Yeah. You know. I thought it was also fitting that it was an open-ended ending because there was no cle- there was no like nice wrap up of like the Vietnam War. So it's it's fitting that like this book that that's about the Vietnam War and the aftermath of it there is no like pretty bow at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean people I think people now even even now are coming to terms with what it actually meant for the US to pull out of that war. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the fact that like war happened to war didn't they didn't start this war war happened to yeah these to these people yeah yeah it, it's gonna be interesting to see you know after uh, what what type of um work comes out uh, artistic work comes out of um you know we like you were saying Rira, it may be another 40 years until we see you know this type of perspective yeah um that we're only seeing you know news headlines of right now of what's going on with the, the refugee crisis right now. There's, yeah. g- there's going to be that in maybe 30, 40 years. Um, I guess uh, wrapping up, um, I mean, we talked a lot about themes, but I think um, one theme that we didn't really touch on was original sin, because that's mentioned mm. a lot in the book. I think it's because the protagonist's father was a priest and he always talked about how like everybody was born at like, born as a sinner and whatnot well i think that's it makes sense i mean the, the story was also kind of putting blame on everyone like you said right so not only the french colonizers or the american collaborators but also the like the catholic missionaries that came and like imposed religion on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? i thought it was I, I thought it was really interesting when uh he was being like electroshocked mm-hmm. and uh he because of a lack of sleep he's like going through his mind like how how did we get here like how did vietnam get here and and it just keeps going back and back and back Mm, it's just like oh like when communism came to china if i I I wasn't born if my mom wasn't knocked up by my dad my dad never came to vietnam yeah Yeah, Yeah, if ho chi minh wasn't like uh, inspired by lenin (laughs) if and and it goes all the way back to like adam and eve and it goes back to the The creation creation, the the mythical creation of vietnam and it like I just thought that was interesting because it is representative of um generational trauma, which we mentioned earlier. Mm. It's just like, mm. oh, like each generation brings uh something <laughs> new to the table and and brings something old as well. So um I just thought it was interesting how like 
like he like he wrote this confession and he pretty much has to like go through it and he's like going through his confession being like where did i went wrong where yeah. did where did this war and where did this af- like aftermath go um he's trying to find a place where everything went wrong and yeah honestly there is no single point where mm-hmm. everything did go wrong mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i just thought that was interesting that's interesting that's yeah. super interesting yeah the whole the whole last like few chapters was just it was uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it like there's no pretty way to say it. It was it was very uncomfortable to read and um uh I don't know. I I I'm glad that it was uncomfortable because war is not yeah. something that should be glorified or um mm. and like it's um almost poetic that he didn't like you know he he didn't receive his hero's like homecoming, mm. right? He came back and he was still seen as the enemy. Yeah. Poor guy, man. He's just. I don't know if he's a poor guy. He killed a lot of people. (laughs) I'm sorry. I like, I have a hard time sympathizing. He has no sympathy for the sympathizer. No sympathy for the sympathizer. (laughs) Oh man. Give him a break. Um, but you know what? That actually, now that you said that, um, one of the most memorable, one of the more memorable kind of lines in there was something like, he said something about like tragedy. It wasn't about right versus wrong. It was about right versus right. And yeah. that's yeah. the, that's, that's the, that just kills uh, because, you know, he honestly, he honestly thought he was doing the right thing. You I mean, know, every side thought they were doing the right thing. Every, every, you both know, sides. Every single yeah. person he talks like the general thought he was doing the right thing. The communists thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. Even the, the, the professor. Uh, the Orino Studies professor to like the professor that wrote the book on like how yeah. communism would be the fall of Oriental. Like the yeah. British guy thought he was doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And like the congressperson and the like, everyone, like yeah, like mm-hmm. nothing matters. Nothing matters. <laughs> That's the general theme of this book. Nothing matters. Your life is a waste. Um, no, no. I'm just. I'm the... kidding. I'm kidding. But. If for anything, I mean, the fact that he, you know, that's yeah. a reason to sympathize with him because he, he was, he was, tr- he was honestly trying to do the right thing. And, yeah. you know, it, the book just drove me crazy because it made me imagine where, what would I do? You know, like, what are, you know, what are folks in, uh, conflict zones right now? Like, they've got to choose, right? They're, yeah. they have to choose a side. We don't have to look at us. Like, we're so comfortable. We don't have to choose any sides right now. And yet it's hard, you know, yet, right? And <laughs> yeah. we're, and, and right, right. Maybe something's brewing and we don't even yeah. know, but it's going to come time when maybe we have to make a choice that's as insane as what this character went through in this yeah. book. And, you know, we hopefully we, we're going to choose what we think is right. Right. I'm and and if anything, that that's why, you know, I feel for this for this guy because he's just trying to he's trying to freaking do the right thing. And and the world's just like shitting all over him playing his part. And maybe that's part of the part of commentary, too, is he was just a soldier doing his doing his job Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and his job ended up being the cause for a lot of people dying. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But no. He was just doing. His, he was just doing as he was told. I I really want a very common refrain. Right, yeah. right, right, right. That's why we need aliens to invade Earth, because then we will all be one. We'll be Earthlings, and we'll be fighting for Earth. It'll be really, yeah. It'll be really unifying. We'll unite against another other, you know, to oppress. I I really want to commend uh, Vietan Wen for uh, 
spending 11 years doing research for this he book. He did a lot of research. He did the so much research. Was all like, yeah, it was badass. He did. Like, I, I, the reason why, um, I, th- I think this book won a prize. Yeah. Was because it brought something new to literature and it really did encompass the entirety of the Vietnam War from all sides. Yeah. And, mm. and from like a single, person's perspective too so i like i i really want to like like applaud him for doing that much research and uh and dedicating like so much of his time writing this book Well, and it shows you know it won the pulitzer which in turn probably encouraged more people to read it Mm -hmm. and you know the hope is that this will inspire someone else to write their stories or to find out their story. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's mm-hmm. so many, when we you know as Asian Americans, like we know there's so many stories out there that haven't been told on the big screen or have been told from like just one side. Right. Can you imagine this as a move that this is already like three or four. Movies yeah. We were, we were talking book. about this at yeah. book club earlier. We're like, Oh, what if this was a Netflix series? Like yeah. what if like, mm. like what if this was adapted for the screen? It would be amazing. Yeah. It, it, like each segment to like the the fall of Saigon in itself would be like an Oscar worthy like you know prestige film. The you know the the satire of being a consultant on Platoon or mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now would right. be like an interesting story. You know the story of like the the exile general like inv- reinvading his country is another good story, and then. The torture store at the end yeah and it would also yeah. like show like so many different types of asians and asian americans because yeah. there weren't just like vietnamese and vietnamese americans in this book it was like japanese americans and yeah. korean americans and uh, filipinos i guess uh mm-hmm. like concluding this episode final thoughts i really liked reading it uh, so uh, folk full confession um i read quote-unquote a third of this book on audiobook. Um, I, we're in LA, just long commutes. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta like, there's nothing take wrong with that. that. Yeah. Um, so the audiobook was also read by Francois Chow, which mm. is a, 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 a semi famous actor. Mm-hmm. He, he was the scientist in Jurassic World and Jurassic yeah. Park. Um, but yeah, like, I was really, really, like, once it started going, like, I couldn't stop. Yeah. You yeah. know? I um there's nothing wrong with uh doing a book on audio yeah, uh, audio book just no yeah, yeah. for the, for the purists out there. Yeah. <laughs> One day I would like to be sponsored by Audible. Audible oh. call us. <laughs> That'd be so awesome. Um but yeah I'm I'm glad I read I'm glad that and like, being as being a part of the Asian American entertainment community like a reoccurring thought throughout this reading it or experience the book is like I'm glad this exists. Yeah. I'm glad people are Yeah. I'm glad it exists I'm glad it's Got so much press and black people are reading this because yeah. these are all like it is basically everything that we're we're fighting for in terms of representation, like stories like this, perspectives like this, and themes like like these that totally. aren't a part of our our current you know. I landscape. yeah, I agree. I, I loved it so much. I, I wish it was required reading by Asian American parents to their kids. <laughs> <laughs> How do we, how do we get that going? I think it's so, I honestly, I just feel like it's so important. I, I you know, we don't have a required reading list and yeah. this opened up. I mean, me growing up with these stories, my dad always trying to tell me to think about both sides and 
trying to keep make me keep an open mind about things yeah i was still just blown away by this book and i i i just feel like it's so important for for second gens to to read something like this you know uh i can't i can't yeah. say enough about it don't just take what hollywood feeds you that's just yeah. that's one very specific side that doesn't humanize us right right know? right and even even this honestly even the stories that, that some of our family members give us is just one-sided and then this this book is is so important to, yeah. to, to counter against that yeah I mean, I really like this book, and I was actually very surprised at how relevant it is now. <laughs> like, it, like truly, not, not even truly. just like the Hollywood representation, because oh my god, 2016 was the year of whitewashing, and it's like oh, nothing has changed. But um, it, it was, it was, it's relevant now, especially with how politics yeah. <laughs> are playing out in America and how um, we have refugees fleeing to our country like every day and um it just made me think that um i don't know it was it was a very educational read and it actually like motivated me to be to pay more attention <laughs> to, to to politics now i mean i i try but um sometimes the news is it's it's been rough lately. it's been so rough lately we had like four hours of like kofefe joy and then that joy was like even that was away. a distraction right you know? even that was like l- distracting us from like what was really happening which is like yeah. the world ending <laughs> but I, I was i was i was really glad that our book club picked up this book because yeah. i think we definitely offer a different perspective to the book because yeah. we are asian americans and also um a lot of our members are not asian americans and um like a couple of my non-Asian friends who picked up this book, they're learning a lot of um, new things that they didn't learn from school, or um, or like maybe they grew up in in. I have one friend who grew up in a community where there were a lot of Vietnamese Americans, mm. but she never really understood uh, what they had to go through yeah. to get to this country and what they're still going through now. So, well, we're all just like one generation down. Like maybe the, the start of the third generation, like a lot of, you know, people are peers just are now. having kids, yeah. but yeah. like, yeah, there are people who live through that still alive. It's, which yeah. is insane. Yeah. You know, the other thing too, is like, you know, no one, no, 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 gonna, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was saying the book, you know, anyone, it does kind of give you a different, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just for anyone who's ever complained about any of your problems here, I think this book will um, shed some light on oh, yeah. what you have to complain about. <laughs> First world problems. Yeah. Well, I guess that'll do it for a discussion of The Sympathizer by Viet Thanh Nguyen. Um, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys have any of your own thoughts, please sound off on our Goodreads forums. We'd love to hear what you think. Um, Rira, what are we reading for the month of June? Uh, June is um, Pride Month, so we will be reading I.W. Gregorio's None of the Above. Mm-hmm. It's a YA contemporary novel on a teenage girl who finds out that she is intersex. Oh, so cool. Yeah, you guys have until the end of June to read that. Yeah, and um, new development, if you want to pick up this book from Amazon, we do have an Amazon store now. 
um, that is um, affiliated with Books and Boba. So if you want to uh, purchase the book on Amazon and throw a little money our way to help support the program, uh, please feel free to do so. The link will be in the show notes. Um, and on that note, thanks for listening. Thanks, Chris. Chris, yeah, thank, thank you, you so Chris. much for joining us. And thanks for having me. I um, I'm I'm such a big fan of this book, and I uh, I love talking about it. So thanks for having me. It's yeah. fun. People want to find out more about your your stuff. Where can they go? Um, you know, don't don't even worry. just just buy more of Viet Thanh Nguyen's book <laughs> books. He has another. He has another. Refugees. Refugees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Short stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, he's working on. Do you want to see a sequel to this, or do you want to keep it open ended? I like it open ended, yeah. but if he if he writes a sequel, I'll read it. <laughs> all right, well that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Bye bye. This episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu, and produced and edited by Marvin Yue. For further discussion on the books covered at Books and Boba, please visit our Goodreads forum. You can find the link on our Facebook page at Books and Boba, as well as by searching for the group Books and Boba on Goodreads.com. Books and Boba is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a brand new collective of Asian American podcasts and podcasters. You can learn more about the collective as well as check out our founding slate of programs by visiting the website www.podcastpotluck.com. If you like this podcast, check out the newest show from the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hello, and welcome to the creatively named Korean drama podcast, where we are watching the hit drama Boys Over Flowers and talking about it with uh, a few friends. Yeah. Like, they're just very rich and they're beautiful, right? Yeah. The entire first episode, I feel like, mostly features them walking through doorways or <laughs> yeah, walking into right. place, right? Right. People are screaming and they're walking. That's the only thing that those four guys do practically yeah. the entire episode. Who, at this Boys point, like, watching this drama in episode two, would ever be like, Tandi and, and Permboy need to be together at this point, I right? I I'd be know. like, I detest this guy. Yeah. You know? I kind of I'm rooting for her and Ringo <laughs> at this point. Ringo needs some I, love. Yeah. I like pottery guy. All right, what did I get myself into? <laughs> um, You're committed. I'm I'm very committed, you guys. New episodes of the Korean Drama Podcast drop every Tuesday at podcastpotluck.com.